we touch base, but, but we intersect, and then people go on. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is myths. Um, there are some things even I've heard through the years, and you hear those tapes and you kind of think, oh, well, it might be okay. Um, but the first one is that grief has a timeline. Um, and you'll hear, hear that sometimes with well-meaning people who'll say, well, so-and-so lost so-and-so, but they really should be getting over that by now. And I can tell you from being at the bedside, I was talking to a woman one day and she was talking about her son's death in his 20s and I said, how long ago was that? And it had been almost 30 years. But it was, she talked about it like it was yesterday. Um, and there is, you know, you all as professionals, I'm telling Noah about the flood here, you know there's complicated grief and uh, that, that gets more elaborate and will require more interventions. But fundamentally, grief doesn't have a timeline. We're feeling what we're feeling when we're feeling it. And I can tell you, you know, my mom died 30 years ago. A month after she died, one of my best friends was murdered by her adoptive son. And I can still feel the pain of that period, even though it was 30 years ago. And I have grown, I have grown through that experience and it has become part of who I am and how I relate to people. But it doesn't, the pain doesn't go away. It's still there. Um, so you, you, know, you might say, well, 30 years you ought to be over it. You don't get over it. You grow around it. And I tell folks that. Um, the other one is that staying busy can eliminate and um, I hear that a lot in griefers. I hear, oh, how are you managing? Well, I'm staying busy. At some point, something is going to snap. Not for everybody, but busyness has its own, and I'm using my own work now, as a form of therapy because I know that the work I'm doing helps people who are who have done what I'm doing. Um, but I can't um, I can't overcome my sadness by being busy. In fact, one of the things I'm trying to do right now is to manage the busyness with um, selfish me time to to give myself time for rest because one of the symptoms of grieving is exhaustion. Um, things, things mount up faster. Uh, the third one, and this is particularly interesting when dealing with men, a lot of men, and I don't, again, I'm trying not to be sexist or ugly, but view crying as a sign of weakness. And I've even had women tell me that. I had a doctor tell me one time who was bawling her eyes out, sitting outside, a young woman, young woman in her 30s who was dying of cancer and the doctor was sitting outside the room crying her eyes out and she said I can't let the family see me like this and I said why on earth not and she said because they're going to think I'm weak and I said no they're going to know who's there and there's a big difference and um, I would always tell people Cry as much as you want, just remember to breathe.
because people do start hyperventilating sometimes and they go to <laughs> and then they pass out and that's so part of part of the self-care is and I encourage people to cry because crying is nature's own way of helping you pop the cord and um, so go for it if you're crying and driving pull to the side of the road <laughs> like texting don't do it um, one of the challenges that comes up with folks, particularly um, when people start finding daylight or trying to recover some joy in their lives, is there's some guilt, as in, I'm dishonoring my loved one because I'm still alive and they're not. That happens with survivor's guilt, with people who are in accidents um, suffice it to say um, that is a myth um, to work with folks and kind of help them to, to work through that and the whys and wherefores and what's drawing it you know um, I've had people say to me well I feel guilty and then fill in the blank and you go okay and I try to explore with them how, how they think that helps. Because my, my fundamental, and this is my philosophy, is that guilt's only good if you do something with it and figure out how to help someone else through a time or change the way you behave in some way. Um, the other thing, the other myth is grief is linear. And, um, the, one of the things I've, I've heard most frequently is the first year is the hardest. And you know, the first birthday, the first Mother's Day, the first Father's Day, the first anniversary, whatever. It's, so once you go through that, it's all going to be okay. It doesn't really work that way, necessarily. Some people you know, find the second year is harder because they have managed to push through the first year and get stuff done because um, when when someone dies, particularly when it's a parent or another adult, that you there's estate stuff to do. If it's a spouse, you have to. Um, there's all kinds of paperwork and stuff that has to be done, and you have to. Sometimes I've seen people focus so much on that, and they get into the second year and some of that's taken care of and they go, oh my God, what do I do now? Um, it's also hard with caregivers 